It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by one of our favorite guests. It's the co-host of CNN's Early Start, Christine Romans, who is here to explain to us all of the job numbers, pandemic, unemployment, expiring. I, there are so many stories to talk about that make up our economy right now, and I am so grateful for you for being here to help us break it down. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. You know, I'm okay. In a couple hours, we're going to really see from the Labor Department um, just how many unfilled jobs there are in America. And I'm, I'm actually expecting it's going to still stick here around a record 10 million so, I mean, I think the bottom line, it's kind of a worker's market here. There are a lot of jobs available and companies are raising wages to attract people. Um, so this is, you know, this is kind of a good time to be looking for a job if you are, if you want to get out there. That's a very exciting thing to hear. I don't know that I've lived through a worker's market before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that phrase. But it's okay. fair, right? You see it in, in real estate, you know, they'll say the seller's market, yes. the buyer's market. I'm looking at the labor market. I'm like, this is definitely the worker's market here. I mean, we just saw Walmart gave a dollar raise to 535,000 workers raised, had to raise their, you know, their, their minimum wage for their, or their average wage rather for their, um, for their, you know, hourly workers to more than $16 an hour. And that's because they have to raise wages to keep people and they have to keep people because business is booming, right? So um, workers are kind of in, in the sweet spot right here. And one thing that I've really been noticing too is workers who have used this time over the last year and these extra jobless benefits to retrain, they're finding um, higher paying jobs in, uh, you know, in tech and in finance and in the mortgage industry. So there are frontline sort of retail workers and restaurant workers who won't be going back to those industries. And they've uh, managed to use this moment and kind of leverage up on the income ladder. And that's good for the economy and certainly good for their personal finances. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I feel like I've asked you this before or something similar, but I feel like, you know, when, you, when you're laying out how workers are sort of, um, I don't know, seem like they're in a position of power or more power than before that there's a shift happening is is that real is that is that across industries is that only service industries or is it is it seem more like a broad impact of the pandemic year because i feel like that's something that it's not necessarily tangible until you see people making different choices or signing up for online school or training programs and stuff and not going back to those original jobs. But yeah. I feel like there's a culture shift happening. We were just talking about that at the start of the show about people just, you know, thinking more about how they're living their lives and they maybe don't want to be working 12 hour days doing a job that they aren't passionate about. So you're absolutely 100% right. And my friend, Heather Long, who writes for the Washington Post, she calls it a reordering of the labor market. I've been talking about how people are prioritizing things different, differently. And let me give you an example. For a long time, the way this labor market worked was 
let's say a woman would work two part-time jobs to make full-time pay, but she also had family responsibilities. That's two commutes, four commutes if you if you count there and back, and the different scheduling and life was harried, but you could maybe make ends meet. And the right. the COVID drama just control alt delete just rebooted how we're thinking about things and there are a lot of women in particular who are not going to go back to that they're not going to they can't maybe they have somebody who's living at home with them now because they don't want their great aunt in a nursing home right or maybe they're making sure they're checking in on a great aunt in, in the era of covid their kids maybe you're not going back to school full-time again but you still have to be careful about potential quarantines and and you know we just have a different set of priorities now and working a bunch of low-wage part-time jobs over the past year. People have had stimulus checks. They've had unemployment benefits that have given them a little bit of cushion and have given them the time to pivot and refocus. And I think that is absolutely what people are doing. Also, when I look at these numbers, I see wage on Friday, we had a jobs report. I saw wage growth of 4.3% year over year. So that's that's a paycheck growing by 4%. That's, that's notable. We have seen years where wages haven't been increasing. Wages are increasing because companies are trying to lure talent and keep their talent. You've been hearing from companies, especially in retail and leisure and hospitality, who are saying they're gonna schedule uh, more uh, more appropriately for working families. They're not gonna do that you know, last minute schedule changes anymore because they can't get workers to sign up for the job if they're right. gonna make it difficult. So you're seeing this balance shift. I don't know how long it lasts, you guys, and that's, uh, but it's here for right now. And, and it's, an, it's an important strength, I think, for so many people in the American labor market. Okay, can we talk about the flip side though? Because this all sounds really good, but the other stories that I'm hearing are the people who are terrified about losing the pandemic unemployment, which ended on Labor Day. Lots of people thought that was just like the extra 300, but it's the whole thing. So our, our, our little Signal Boost family has has a family member who was informed she's losing all of her benefits. And then yeah. and then she got sent an email saying, but here are homeless shelters and places where you can get food. And are that's terrifying. <laughs> like that is yeah. quite well, alarming. Those- so like how many people are in that position? Like, is oh, that something that- It's millions, it's millions of people. I mean, seven or 8 million people lost their entire unemployment check. And another two and a half, 2.7 million lost just the $300 extra that was the plussed up, you know, uh, COVID, extra COVID benefit. And that will be, well, that's the biggest sort of fiscal cliff I've ever seen. That's the biggest sort of cessation of emergency help for families that I've ever seen. Now, I do know when you look at the savings rates, you look at some of the other statistics, you can see that people have been saving some of that money. And mm-hmm. families have more of a cushion today than they did before COVID. So that's important. Um, but there are also 10 million jobs open. So at some point, you're going to be migrating those people who lost the unemployment check back into the labor market. And they're more picky this time. They're more picky than in normal downturns um, because of the added COVID and health and, and child care are the two most important things here. I, I really think you've heard so many red state governors sort of talk about these people on these unemployment checks as sort of freeloaders, right? You got to get them off these checks right. so they can go back to work. It, this is not about that. This is about COVID and child care, right? And, and reordering our lives here because the pandemic has turned everything upside down. So the old rules don't apply. The old rules, you know, the, the jobless check keep someone from looking for a job that just I, I just don't believe and the data doesn't show that that's what's at work here yeah yeah no the idea the idea that that people are 
I mean, this is just like, it's the rudest way that we analyze data, frankly, <laughs> in this right. country is by suggesting that the people who are without work are lazy. Like we, you just, it is, it, 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 it speaks to the same like fundamental mistrust that we seem to have for each other yeah. that is confounding every aspect of yeah. our lives right now in pandemic. Like you just, just got to believe that people want to take care of their families. <laughs> like, that's look, it. In America, we define ourselves by our job. And this has always been a strength and weakness of, of, of American, the American economy and American society. Like we don't take all of our vacation days. We go to work when we're sick because we are right. so passionate or plugged in to defining ourselves by our jobs and working harder than anybody else in the rest of the world. That's like America's DNA. When you go to a cocktail party, people say, what do you do? Where do what you do work? You do? I mean, this is other people don't do that. I mean, other countries, they, yes, don't, no, they don't do that, no, um, you know, true. and, and I think that, um, maybe, I mean, everybody knows their deadbeat cousin who is just sitting there. Oh, look at this, this check. I mean, maybe, maybe there is that person that is the, on the margin. And so that's the anecdote that you hear from people, but by and large, um, people that I've been talking to who've been on these checks for the last year, they say things like, okay, they paused my student loan payments. And I got a little bit extra money every uh, week in my unemployment check. For the first time ever, I am afloat, and now i got to figure out what I want to do for my next job, or I need to figure out if I can go back to college and finish the degree that I am still paying the student loans for. You know what I mean? So people have yep. been able to figure out their priorities, and that's exactly what those jobless checks were meant to do. They were meant to keep us from crashing from families from right. crashing so they did exactly what they were supposed to do they also were always meant to be temporary they were ex extended twice and now we're at the end the end of that road but aren't Doesn't we, that, shouldn't that yeah. be like paired with the end of the pandemic though like i mean i know like i i know we don't know when that will be but i feel like as long as you know people are dying a thousand people are dying a day and kids can't be vaccinated the checks had to continue so that people can stay afloat right i mean isn't that the policy so that's the so that's well, the argument for a guaranteed basic income which is not what those gotcha. checks were meant to be they were meant to be an emergency mm -hmm. stopgap for people who lost their jobs get some income replacement so they did what congress meant you're talking about a bigger question of of um income and, and look I, I think I'm that always doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to talk about because, boy, you know, your friends, you can really see how your friends divide in two camps on this, you know, and there, some people are like, that's crazy. That incentivizes, you know, not working and um, it's, 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 it's welfare. And then the other people are like, no, 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 no. This frees you up from the constraints of an unequal society driven by corporate profits to be able to focus on what you do well, you know, and have the cushion to be able to do that. So you, I, I love having the conversation because it makes people so animated mm -hmm. on both sides. But that's not what these checks were for. These checks were yeah. for the, the heart of the crisis. And we have 10 million jobs open and a 5.2% unemployment rate. So the con some economists argue the economy is too strong to still be paying people not to work. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that we have like an, uh, like, a media problem when we talk about this like the fact that like if i say minimum wage worker you're still most likely to picture like a male yep. factory worker as opposed to a a black woman who is a mother of two like we don't even know or or, or you'd picture a white teenager working at you know mcdonald's for the summer or something like we don't have a really good understanding of who makes up our economy is there is there a media problem there that's a really good point um because i've done this several times where i've 
sort of explained who the who the low wage worker or the you know minimum wage worker is, and and I feel like in general the public has a very 1989 view yes. of that. It's like everyone's mm -hmm. Gen X and thinks it's them working at the pizza place in high school, and that's not what the minimum wage jobs sure, are. Yeah. You know, I mean the average age of a restaurant job I think is 29. You know, a good share, maybe 48 or 50 percent, have a child. You know, many have student have had some college, which means their student loan debt or, or you know money has gone out the door for college. So it, it's you're right; it's a much different picture than I think a lot of people um, understand. And I don't know if it's a media problem so much, but what I the, the question I try to ask when I hear when I talk about how the worker has more strength right now, then I hear people say, "Well, small business owners are getting killed, and they're the they're the they're the job creators, and small you can't they're going to have to pass the prices on to somebody else, you know, to you, the consumer. It's going to raise prices." And I say, a working mother of two kids deserves to be able to live in a two bedroom apartment and not be on food stamps, and I will pay two dollars more for my omelet for that. Would you? Yes. Yes. And that's a question that I pose to people. You know, I'm I'm happy to pay two to I, I our consumer experience in America is built on really low wage uh, workers and very low prices for things. So maybe we need to rethink that relationship. Yeah, I yeah I mean, completely agree. We talked about this. Um, we talked we about this before, Jess, because we both of us. I mean, I want to know. I don't like the feeling of you know going into an establishment or having a service and questioning whether or not the person who is helping me or working in the establishment is able to live like i don't want to that guilt i mean maybe right. that's just a selfish impulse but like you know i remember when there was the big expose in the new york times about nail salons in new york city and the horrible yep. uh working conditions uh and incredibly low wages um and i i just remember sort of having conversations with friends at the time about how to sort of morally go about getting a manicure or pedicure, which is a thing that I think as women of color, certainly who, um, you know, like those like small self-care moments, like we don't get a lot of those. So like you want to try to take care of yourself in this way and you're paying somebody for this service to help you, but you want to make sure that they're getting paid a living wage and being treated well and so it was like we had a whole conversation about like how to navigate that what conversation should you have with your uh manicurist or the person doing your pedicure you know like do you whisper to them do you do you ask them like are there the right. conditions okay <laughs> like um what do you do in that moment so that you sort of like align with your values but also you know indulge in the spoils of your loan labor that you've that you've done all week and and you need you know that self care break. So I feel like it's complicated, but I I like that we're having these conversations. I think it's important that we look at the people that are serving us as human beings who also have yeah. lives. You know what I mean? Like the person who is giving you a haircut is a human with a life and children, Mike most likely, and a family and bills just like you. Um, and so we got to see each other like really see each other and way, part of way, part of this is that in a way it's also unfair that it's you the consumer who has to navigate those choppy waters isn't that That's what government is for is and this point. is another example <laughs> the media the media spotlighted on that that story in particular was amazing well reported well sourced and changed things in new york changed the rules in new york and and that's where 
media spotlights unfairness fairness like that government must respond because of the media pressure and then it's not mm -hmm. on the back of a consumer to have to decide if you are a cog in a totally unfair literally slave labor market right so yeah. i think that um that's where smart smart regulation is super super important and um and you're right you know i I, when I talk about these conversations about I'd pay two dollars more for my, for my you know for my egg sandwich or whatever, I get all this hate mail about how only only a privileged person would say that. Only somebody you know, most people can't afford to pay two dollars more. Who do I think I am? You know, I'm part of the media elite, and and I just I feel like that's just so unfair. We need to have a system where people can work and live on their earnings, and um, and we pay for we pay what things are worth, you know, I mean, right. and small business owners, I get how hard it is. I get how hard it is, you know, when wages go up, but um, it's just an untenable situation, especially when you have big, big companies that are multi-billion dollar profit mm -hmm. companies who have workers who are eligible for food stamps. See, now I think that is the taxpayer subsidizing low wage industries. And that is something that should be I mean, that to me is the, the biggest sort of economic crime there is. Yeah, agree. Yeah, 100%. We, we just need more conversations like this. Um, so yep. if you get up even earlier than our show, <laughs> I'm urging you to watch CNN's early start so you can see more of Christine's analysis, which is one of the only ones out there that like puts things into a perspective that like my brain gets. So uh, Christine, <laughs> thank you as always for, for joining us and breaking this down for us. You're welcome. And at the nail salon, I always very, very secretly give her ten dollars at the end. Uh, oh yeah. And without the boss, no, being I tip. Able to see what I, gave her. I tip. Yeah, but big. just directly. Oh, I mean, I always tip big because I feel like that's a blessing that's coming back. Again, I'm just really selfish. It's all about like, <laughs> it's all about me. My mom's working on me. Um, but I tip <laughs> tip big. That is a good lesson. It truly is. Christine, have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.